folks, welcome to edition six of the Washburn Files, where we talk about the Boston Celtics and the NBA. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about over the next um, many, many minutes, many moments or so about the Boston Celtics. Uh, tough time if you're a Celtic fan right now. The team is 13 and 13, just a very average team. It's been a tough month for the Celtics, a tough stretch. They've lost 10 out of the last 15 games since starting 8-3, and three, coming off a ve- pair of very disappointing losses to the Detroit Pistons and to the Washington Wizards. You pointed to this stretch of the schedule and said, okay, the Celtics host have a three-game stretch with Toronto, Detroit, and Washington, and you say to yourself, the Toronto game will be obviously the most difficult. And they win that game by 14 points. So you're coming off that win if you're the Celtics, and they have the Pistons and the Wizards, the two, the, the two worst teams in the East, and they lose to both of them. The Detroit game was a, a game that the, the Pistons are a tough matchup for the Celtics. Some teams just match up better with others. The Pistons match up well with the Celtics especially one Sadiq Bey, who looks like Steph Curry against the Celtics. And that was their own fault. They knew Bey had hit, um, you know, eight three-pointers in the first two games against the Celtics. Sorry, sorry, he had seven. He had seven in the first two matchups in Detroit when they played uh, kind of a back-to-back set after the first of the year, including a game where he hit five. So he comes back again off the bench and hits seven. Seven for seven, the first rookie ever to hit all seven of his three-point attempts in an NBA game. So these guys are setting records. And, of course, to add insult to injury, Sadiq Bey was named Eastern Conference Player of the Week this week. So that was a tough game. The Celtics just didn't play engaged after the first couple of minutes. They jumped out. 14 to 4. It looked like Detroit, which was banged up, was just going to lay down. The Pistons just worked themselves back into the game, hit shots, and the Celtics just had no answer for Sadiq Bey and DeLon Wright. I mean, that's the disappointing part if you're the Celtics. It's not giving it up to guys who are superstars. If you look at the game against Phoenix, they gave up, you know, let's go back to Sacramento. Let's go back to Sacramento. And it's okay if a, a superstar or a star like um, De'Aaron Fox goes for 30 because that's what he does. But when you allow, you know, 20-plus points, a career high and th- to rookie Tyrese Halliburton, who's a good player, rookie of the year candidate, but when you let him go off, you jump uh, fast forward to the game against Phoenix. You let Cameron Johnson and Mikael Bridges combine for 36 points. That's going to beat you. And the Celtics shut down Jeremy Grant. Blake Griffin was just kind of there. And obviously now he's uh, basically revealed he wants to play somewhere else. He's going through the motions. Um, so you're looking at the, the Pistons. Did The Pistons standout players didn't really have a good game. It was Sadiq Bey, 30 points, and DeLon Wright, 22. I mean, DeLon Wright is a, is a reason why he's a crafty, capable backup point guard. He can get to the rim. Like, it seems like the Celtics had no scouting report on DeLon Wright. 
And the Pistons continuously ran pick and rolls at for him to go at Tice and get to the rim and either lay it in or get fouled. It was it was repeated. Like, where are the adjustments? Where are where's the fire in this team to say, listen, we're not losing at home to Detroit. We're not losing to a six-win team for a second time. It wasn't there. They typically use Celtics. They played hard in the fourth quarter. They tried to make a rally. And then if you look at that game, what's concerning me about the Celtics is guys are trying to go out of their comfort zones. A guy like Daniel Tice, who has had success from the three-point line this year, has done well, as well as you can ask him, but he's not a three-point shooter. That's the point. He's not a three-point shooter. Daniel Tice is a solid player who can hit the three, has shown capabilities of hitting the three, but he's not a three-point shooter. So fast forward, sorry, rewind to the Detroit game, 98-95. The Celtics have rallied, worked their butts off to get back into this game with the ball under a minute left, like 40, 50 seconds left. So you get a quick two, you put the pressure on the 6-17 and 17 team to have to score, and if not, you get the ball back with a chance to win. Instead, Tice pulls up for an open three and misses it. That's hero ball. That's bad basketball. I don't care if you're open. You're open for a reason. You don't think the Pistons were like, we'll let Tice shoot a three. Tice has had a nice year, 39.7% from, from the three-point line. That's nice, but he takes two a game. So those percentages aren't – we're not talking about Marcus Smart, who takes 5.3 a game, Kimba, who takes seven, Jason Tatum, who takes seven, and Jalen, who takes six. The sample size is small. Jeff Teague is a 43% shooter, but he takes less than two a game. Ty should not be taking that shot. That's the problem. Hero ball. Guys trying to do too much. Guys doing things that they don't usually do. Tice, give the ball to Tatum, set a screen, let Tatum get open for the three. Tatum, a 40.7% three-point shooter who takes seven a game, or let Jalen Brown, 40.9%. But there there he is, Daniel Tice, and I'm not blaming him. It's not all his fault. But he sits there and pulls up for an open three-pointer that misses, and then what happens? Sadiq Bey as if they didn't know already because he already hit six threes, hits another one, and game over. That's bad basketball, folks. That's embarrassing, okay? And then, okay, they come off that game. Hey, maybe it's just a bad matchup. And then you think they got the Wizards on a Sunday afternoon. Hey, go punch the Wizards in the mouth. Take a lead. Take control. What do you do? You fall behind. You let Bradley Beal get really comfortable then you let the rest of the guys get comfortable and make plays. Guys like Raul Neto and Dingy Avita, like guys who should not be making plays, guys who have had up and down, and you let them pretty much control the game and you and you lose. That's just disappointing. I mean, it's just you can't have that. You didn't play with fire. Rui Hachimura is literally running the floor for open layups because Jason Tatum is so pissed about missing a shot that he lumbers back down the floor and gets beat. I mean, let's look at this game. 
Beal, 35 points. It's That's fine. Let Beal get his 35. He, they lose generally when he scores a lot of points like that. But look at Westbrook, 13. Okay, 13, 11 assists. Mo Wagner, 11 points, like in 22 minutes. Hachimura, 15 points in 22 minutes. I mean, Robin Lopez, 10 points in 26 minutes. You know, like you, Washington won this game shooting 39% from the, 40% from the field and 23 from the free throw line. The problem, the free throw line. The Wizards shot 36 free throws. The Celtics, 30. Okay, but the Wizards made 31. The Celtics made 18. So the Celtics lost this game for the free throw line. But it ain't that simple, as you know. But this game was a prime example of why Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need help. Let's look at let's look at let's look at this. Okay, Kimball Walker comes back with a bounce back game, twenty five points, seven rebounds for Kimba, two assists, two steals, five turnovers. You know, a solid Kimba game, the kind of game you want Kimba to have. It's encouraging for Celtic fans. Jalen, who just didn't seem as engaged as you want to be, but he still dropped twenty five in twenty nine minutes, fifty points. The rest of the Celtics scored forty one. Jason Tatum, I don't know what he was going through in that game. I don't know if it was the playing against your buddy, the best friend element, whatever it is. He just was just off. He didn't have it. He was discouraged. He got to the free throw line one time, and that was on a illegal illegal defensive three-second violation, and he missed that free throw. So he doesn't get to the line at all. You know, Jalen Brown got to the line three times. Kimba got four times. Bill got to the line 11 times. Hachimura got to the line five times. Uh, Robin Lopez got to the line four times. Like, this is what happens. And then the Celtics bench just, sorry, a, a complete no-show. Um, Aaron Neesmith, not fair to him. He hasn't. He's played 15 minutes in the last three weeks, and... Brad throws him. Brad Stevens throws him in there for thirty minutes, and he scores five points, one for four. But he was a plus ten. Okay, you'll take that. Robert Williams played eleven minutes, five points. I don't know why he didn't play more, especially when Tice got hurt. Tristan Thompson, two points, eight rebounds, and eighteen. Like you're getting nothing from your bench. Nothing, guys. You know Edwards, Waters, and Green can't blame them. They didn't play much. They played in garbage time. Peyton Pritchard, four points. In 17 minutes, he's been a little shaky since that big game he had against the Raptors. Uh, Grant Williams, no points, one shot, two rebounds in 12 minutes, um, in three fouls. Like, the key to the Celtics moving forward, it was a lot of keys. They need personnel help, they need the guys to be more efficient, and they need to stop fouling. That's the problem. And Grant Williams is a number one on that list. The Celt- You're playing the Wizards here, okay? They've had big leads, I'm sure, and the Wizards have blown big leads. So if you put pressure on the Wizards, they might crack, okay? These are guys that aren't used to winning a lot of games. So you cut it to eight, you cut it to seven, and you try to take it to the fourth quarter, and then hopefully your stars are better than their stars. And then you see it plenty of times. The NBA is about fourth quarter execution, and the NBA is about there's plenty of bad teams that lead te- lead in the fourth quarter and lose it. Not every bad team just gets blown out. 
Washington it plays competitive games. They just don't know how to close. So the Celtics finally decide to wake up in the third quarter. They fell behind, I think, by the end is 24. They come back to cut it to 14. Grant, but of course, the Wizards are in the bonus because the Celtics committed a lot of silly fouls early in the third quarter. Grant Williams comes back and commits two off-ball fouls to give Washington four free throws. Of course, they make all four. They go up by 18, and that's pretty much it because it's hard to come back from 18 down. Like, you're going to need something really, you know, strange to happen to rally from 18 down. And so the Celtics are pretty much done after that. You you got Washington three easy points. They push it up to to 18, and then the Celtics are done. Grant's got to play smarter than that. And I know he's had a decent season from the three-point line. Uh, Give him credit for that. He's worked on his shot, but he's not giving them the quality minutes that he should. It's not all his fault. He's trying, but just too many not smart fouls, clumsy fouls. You know, the Celtics are in the bonus. The team's running the offense. The guy stops for a screen. Grant Grant runs into him. Foul. Grant's a big guy, so anybody he touches, they're going to fall. And they're going to they, – they know, as the scouting report says, he's aggressive and physical – let him foul you. I'm sure that's the book on Grant Williams. Grant's going to foul you. Let him foul you. He picks up a lot of fouls. He picked up three fouls in 12 minutes. I mean, Shimmy Ojale. I like Shimmy, but this is what happens with Shimmy and the three-point line. He falls in love with it. That's fine. But then when he starts hitting, he thinks he's Steph Curry. He starts taking more. Shimmy is a spot-up three-point shooter in the corner. That is his spot. Top of the key, no. The elbows, no. Shimmy, you shoot from the corner. When the defense gets sucked in, Jalen drives to the paint, drive and dish, that's your spot. Not pull-up three-pointers, not three-pointers early in the shot clock. That's not your game. That's not Shimmy's game. Shimmy, one for six from the field, one for six for for the three-point line in 31 minutes, Three points, two rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks. Four fouls. That's horrible. Minus 29. The Celtics aren't a winning team like that. You can't win with that type of situation. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That should not be an issue. If you look at his game log, Chimmy's game log, he had six for eight from the three-point line against Toronto, then two for four against Detroit, one for six, one for six against the Clippers, 0 for two against Phoenix. Like, he's struggling. Now, there's times that six for eight really saved him. But since then, but during that time, there's been, let me see here, one, two, three, four. Four games before that, Shimmy had hit more than one three-pointer in a game. Four. And he hit two the night after against Detroit. But he's not going to give – he's not that, – that six for eight's an aberration. He went three for six against the Magic and three for six – two for six against the Wizards before then. Okay? 
I'm sorry. Yeah, and then three for five in the win at Toronto on January 4th. Okay, and three for six against the Pistons. So Shimmy is a spot-up three-point shooter, someone who can occasionally knock down the shot, but you cannot rely on him to be some primary scorer. That's just not who he is, and he shouldn't have to be. But he's got to be more productive on the floor. He's got to be a more discriminate shooter. You can't be launching threes. You can't go one for six. Like, unless they're spot up in his spot and he just happens to miss them. But there's been times he just starts taking pull-up threes. No, not your game. That's the problem. The Celtics are doing stuff outside their box. And they have limited bench players who can do all-around things. That's Danny Ainge's fault. Where, where, is this, where is the variety and the skill set in the bench? It's not there. There's so many limitations in the bench. Trishan Thompson, has he been a failure? I would say no. He's playing 22 minutes a game, 6.6 points, 8.2 rebounds. I mean, he's been okay. Okay, he's he scored a little bit. Recently, in the West Coast trip, he had a good little scoring stretch. Um, he gets your rebounds. He gets your second possessions. He's averaging 2.8 offensive rebounds a game, so he's giving the Celtics three extra possessions per game. So I can't blame Trish. I don't think Trish has been terrible. Um, but you got guys who just aren't equipped to play heavy minutes in games. You know, Robert Williams... Commit, you know, he commits his player fantasy rating is almost 24. It's the best on the team. Because when he go, he goes out there, he makes things happen. But he also makes mistakes defensively. He also fouls too much. That's some of his problems, too. He fouls too much. He tries to make the great block where he makes contact, he gets the call. But can't blame Time Lord. Robert Williams is an emerging, improving player. But I don't know if he's ready for a more expanded role. Grant Williams, I don't know what you say about him. Um, He's trying. He works hard. You know, he is a decent three-point shooter. I mean, 43.1%, great. But like Tice, he takes two a game, okay? He takes two a game. So you're going to jump for joy that he gets you one three-point make a game? I mean, but and there's going to be times he doesn't shoot like he did against the Wizards. The, the problem is, is that the Celtics just don't have enough versatility off their bench. They just don't. Um, losing Gordon Hayward hurt, and there's other guys that they could have signed they didn't. Um, the Celtics kind of have to drop this attitude as if they know more than everyone. They're not the Patriots. They can't have this attitude anymore that we're – smarter than everybody in the room. I think that's a problem with the organization. There's a ten, there's a sense of arrogance there that is we know more about these guys, this guy, this guy, and this guy. There's, there's guys out there who are available, were available, that the Celtics likely passed on that are helping other teams. Um, and, you know, one thing – you know, the Jeff Teague signing now, you can have revisionist history. I don't think anyone thought that he wouldn't be able to score from the two-point line. He'd be shaky because, as I mentioned in the last podcast, his first half 
of the season last year in Minnesota was really good. The Celtics, that's sort of not their fault because, you know what, it's sometimes it happens. You sign a guy and he just don't work out, okay? But the 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 question is, when you have a Sadiq Bey who has hit three, 14 three-pointers against your team in three games, who looks like the 3 and D wing guy that you need, and you're not playing Aaron Neesmith, who has drafted five picks ahead of him, people are going to start asking questions about your talent evaluation. When you saw Sadiq Bey, you didn't think to yourself, this guy, and he's a Villanova guy. Villanova guys make good, solid pros. Look around the league at the Villanova guys. They might not be super-duper stars, but they make good, solid, professional players. They know their role. And people can ask, and, and that's not fair to Aaron Neesmith. Aaron is going to need some time, but he's not a bad player. He's not. He just hasn't had opportunity, and he's got to get comfortable. Some guys come into the league ready, like a Sadiq Bey. Other guys take a year plus to develop. You would hope that you're the 14th overall pick could help you, but there's guys around the league. If you look at the if you look at the draft. Okay, let's look at let's look at this draft, okay? Cuz I'll give you a perspective on a guy like Aaron Aaron Neesmith. Okay. Um Let me see here. Okay. First pick, I mean, let's be I mean, the first 5 picks, Edwards, Wiseman, Ball, Williams, and Okoro are all playing pretty big minutes. They're all doing what they're supposed to be doing. Okay? Um Killian Hayes, because of injury, has played seven games. Jalen Smith from Maryland has played – he was the 10th overall pick, has played 50 minutes this season because he's not good enough. When I was in Phoenix with when the Suns were playing the Suns, he was on the court afterwards working out. He's one of those guys. He's trying to get in work because he's not – they're not practicing much because of this pandemic season and the games come so fast. And so he needs to get work and practice. So Jalen Smith, the 10th overall pick, has basically played 50 minutes all year. Um, Kyra Lewis from Alabama has played 184 minutes all year. He's played in 15 games for the, for the Pelicans. I mean, it, it happens, okay? I mean, some of these guys are just not going to play right away. Um. It just happens. Obi Toppin has been injured, but he's played two. Remember, he was supposed to be so NBA ready. He's he's playing about 11 minutes a game for the Knicks, five points a game. Nothing to scream about. Okay, remember, he was the tabbed as the most NBA ready player in this draft. It happens. Okay, because unless you pick top five or something, you're in, especially with these drafts nowadays, with these one and dones, and guys coming out of nowhere, you're rolling the dice. Okay? Because you look at a guy like Tyrese Maxey from Philadelphia, I mean, he's already etched a row. He's played 447 minutes this season. Aaron Eastmith has played 146 minutes. Okay? Let's look at, at how that measures up. Neesmith is. Um, of all the draft picks, Neesmith is. Let me look here. Twenty eighth of draft picks in minutes played of of the sixty picks. 
right, of the 60 picks. So we're going all two rounds. He's 28th, okay? I mean, it's tough. The draft is tough, man. Um, you know, and 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 I, I'm not going to put any um, pressure on Aaron Neesmith to say he's a bust or anything like that. It is 30 games to see, 26 games. We can't say that's, ten, that's I'm not I'm not I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that he's a bust. What I'm going to say is he's going to need time. He's more of a developmental player, and unfortunately. You've got a you've got a, a, a bunch of or not a bunch a good group of developmental players on this team. You've got the two way guy. You're both two way guys, Tremont Waters and Taco Fall. They spell developmental players. You got Javante Green, who has had his moments as a second year guy, you know, but he's more of an athlete. Javante needs to learn how to shoot better and shoot free throws better because if he wants to be that three and D guy, he's got to hit those threes. If he wants to be a Tony Allen, he's got to have some type of offensive skill set. He can't just come out there and not score. He's got to be able to score. I'm not talking about 30 points a game, but capable of hitting a mid-range jumper, hitting a three, attacking the rim, getting to the basket. If you're, you know, Carson Edwards, up and down, he had a, a very fine game against the Clippers a couple of weeks ago. Now, since then, he's back kind of in uh, who is he going to play? When is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Like, that's sort of Brad Stevens' fault, but maybe he's done something that Brad doesn't trust him as much anymore. Um, it's just so much. And Brad has to come up. Let's talk a little bit about Brad Stevens. Brad has to come up with, with consistent rotations, throwing everybody out, throwing guys out there, throwing Neesmith for 29 minutes in a game after he's played I think 17, 18 minutes in the last three weeks is not fair to him. He's got to find his sea legs. He's got to be able to play more. If you want to carve a role, you're going to have to play him 10, 12 minutes a game. You can't throw him in every three or four games. You've got to come up with a consistent rotation. But that's not Brad's fault that the bench is so limited that he's just grasping, grasping the straws because that's what's happening. He's yesterday against the Wizards. He's looking for a spark. He's looking for a guy to go out there and make some plays, make some plays. This is your game to shine. Jason Tatum is off. Kimba and Jalen need help. What? Who's going to step up? The question is. Yesterday, nobody stepped up. That's disappointing. This is the Wizards. Okay, a team is now seven and seventeen. So, if not against them, against who? Denver. Who comes into the Garden or Atlanta this week or Indiana or New Orleans? I mean, those are the next games on the docket. All those guys have real dudes, real superstars. Like, none of those games are going to be easy. The Celtics got lost, got pounded at New Orleans last year with Zion. Then you got Dallas and you got at Atlanta. So you got three games against Atlanta with a prolific score like Trey Young. In over the next 10 days, that's a lot going on. That's a lot. Indiana, Indiana's going to come in here. You think Indiana's going to lay down for the Celtics? No, they're a good ball club. None of these teams going to scare the Celtics. None of these teams going to scare playing in the Garden. You think Denver's looking at, like, oh, 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 oh Boston's good. Oh, my God, we got this. Like, they're preparing, but they fully think they can beat the Celtics. They beat the Lakers on Sunday. They beat up on the Lakers Sunday. You think Denver is scared of the Celtics? 
You think Atlanta doesn't think they can get back on track by winning at Boston? Detroit just won at Boston. So what do you think this is the Hawks are thinking? So the Celtics have to make some changes. And with Brad Stevens, he's got to come up with a consistent rotation or and he could easily say, listen, I just don't have the guns to have a consistent rotation because none of these guys are trustworthy. And that's Danny Ainge's fault. You got to get some trustworthy guys on your bench. You know, you, you, you're trusting Javante Green, Carson Edwards, Grant, like you're trusting guys that are inconsistent. Every team needs a grizzled, established veteran who knows how to play the game and will accept the role that might be less than he wants because he wants to win. Jeff Teague has seen better days. He's had his moments. I don't think they should just release him and let him go unless they have a better alternative. I always thought, why not Isaiah Thomas? And I'm anxious to see what Isaiah does in these Team USA workouts and games and see if he's still got something because I think that will help his NBA. Um, I don't think it will help with NBA stock. Because someone's really down on him if they haven't signed him. Let's see what he does in these NBA, sorry, Team USA games. I'm anxious to see that because I'm rooting for Isaiah because he's a good dude and he got a he got a tough deal with his hip injury. Now, if you're the, the Celtics, like you got to figure out what to do. You've got you, you got a couple of trade exceptions. You got the Vince Poirier trade exception. You got the Ennis Cantor trade exception. You got. Obviously, the big $28.5 million. So there's three that they can use. Okay. Two, sometime soon you're going to get Marcus Smart back. But it ain't going to be soon. Smart told us last Friday he's 30 or 40%. Okay. So this is going to be two to three more weeks. Okay. This is not a two to three week injury. Calves are very... You know, they can strain very back again very easily. You've seen guys have calf troubles where they've had to take, shut it down for two to three months because the calf just didn't respond or the calf, they re-aggravated it. So you got to be careful with Marcus Smart and this calf injury. But there are guys out here, to me, I was looking at a guy that they could target, and I would target with the trade part, split the trade exception, get Terrence Ross from the Orlando Magic. Okay? Terrence Ross from the Orlando Magic, I think, would be a perfect addition to the Celtics. Um, he's got a manageable contract. He makes $12, $13 million over the next two years. He signed an extension. Okay? Terrence Ross is... A guy who, let's look at his season this year, okay? 14.8 points in 28 minutes. He's 40% from the field, 33% from three. Not great numbers, but he's a career 37% three-point shooter. So you can, if you call that an aberration, you know, playing in a bad situation. But to me, he's a, he's a freak athlete. Remember, uh, former dunk contest winner. Um, a guy who's used to coming off the bench. He hasn't started. He started one game this year. He hadn't started a game before then since 17-18. So he's not going to be complaining about, I, don't, I need to start. And he can come off the bench and give you, give you energy. 14.8 points per game in 29 minutes per game. Terrence, he puts the shots up. 13.2 shots. So he's taking a shot every two minutes, according to his magic numbers. Great for the three-point line, 88%. Uh, 
hey, three rebounds, two assists, uh, a steal. So uh, 1.7 turnover. So he's not a turnover machine. Well, two per 28, two per, per 28 minutes, that's not going to drive you crazy. But he's a guy, if you're the, if you're the magic – and you're looking to be sellers, and I, I think they're they're getting close to that point. I don't think the Magic is a team that feels like, oh, we're not only going to make the playoffs, we're going to do something in the playoffs. I think they feel like, with all the injuries they have, Jonathan Isaac, Markel Fultz, Mo Bamba has been in and out. I mean, wow. I mean, he's really done nothing in the NBA so far, unfortunately for him and for the Magic. Like, they've got all these guys who probably will make what we'll see better days and so why not get some assets? Because if you're, if you're Orlando and you sneak into that 10th speed spot, are you going to really win that series or that play-in? And then are you going to win a game? Or are you going to win one game in the first-round series and you'll be home? So Terrence Ross is a guy that I target, okay? Um, he, I think he would be perfect. You know, he's 6'6", he's a, he's a perfect wing, swing man, he can defend. And I think with Terrence, if you put him in a better situation, he'll play better. And Terrence just turned 30, okay? So he's not old, but he's not young, he's a vet, okay? Um, didn't know Terrence was that old, but damn, yeah, he's been in the league since 2012, so this is ninth year, 10th year, sorry, ninth year. So if you're the Celtics, you got to... You got to do something. Like, you can't keep holding on and your team's going to be 500 and trying to get that th- the fourth or fifth seed. Now, you might not have a problem with it. Oh, we'll, f- we'll be fine. We'll t- you, you trust this team to turn on the playoffs? You trust this team to make a Miami Heat-type run last year in a bubble? I don't think I do. I don't think I trust this team to be that you know, kind of team just to flip flip the switch. I think that I think this team has to gain some continuity, some cohesion. They have to do something because at this point, they're just a team that's just inconsistent. Like like they're win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. I mean, everyone thought after that Clippers win they were gonna be right back, you know, on and playing well. What happened? They lost at Phoenix. You can make all the excuses in the world. They shut down, not shut down, they held down Devin Booker, held down Chris Paul, and still lost. Okay? Because Kimba was awful, you know, and guys complained about fouls and no real help from the bench. Then they get blown out by Utah late in the game, a game that they allowed 42 points in the third quarter. And Utah's a great club. Like, the Jazz are going to be a real factor when it comes to May, June, July, right? But that's a game they they could have won. They come back and beat Toronto. That's a quality win. Toronto is a team that's not what it once was, but it's a solid club. And then you lose to Detroit and Washington. And now, up on the schedule, Denver. Two against Atlanta. Then New Orleans. And then... Dallas, Atlanta again, and then Indiana. Like, you, you want to pick an easy game out of that set? Playing at Luka? Playing at Zion? Playing at Atlanta on a back-to-back? You, uh, you know, you can let, let me know the easy game in that stretch because I don't see one. 
So the Celtics are going to have to step up and respond to the challenge that they're going to have to beat some good teams to get out of slump. It's not, oh, well, let's get a soft schedule. Because that's what everyone said. Oh, well, you know, they got Detroit, Washington. Come, that's two victories right there. Then they'll be they'll be fine. So you want to look forward to playing against bad teams as slump breakers. The Celtics are need to step up and prove that they can beat quality teams at home or on the road. But they're going to get their test. Because they should be better than this. I think we all know that. They've got two of the top 15 players in the league. 20, if you want to debate, but 20 at most. Two of the top 20 players in the league. And then the guy's a three-time All-Star, four-time All-Star. Okay? And Kimba Walker. But, unfortunately, the bench has not helped. And could they assign, you know, losing Gordon Hayward has hurt more than than a lot of people thought, including me. I thought that they can compensate for, for him. But, I mean, the Gordon that we're seeing with the Charlotte Hornets and the Gordon that was in Boston are two completely different people, first of all. Secondly, uh, they should have tried to replace the scoring. They got rid of Ennis Cantor. He's bounced back for a resurgence season in Portland as a starting center, playing good D. I mean, you know, they just sort of gave up on him and just gave him to Portland for a trade exception. And then they signed Tristan Thompson. And then um, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. Um, and so the Celtics have a lot of work to do over the next few weeks. Danny Ainge has a lot of work to do. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of this is on Ainge. Making some questionable uh, off-season decisions. Um, I, I'm not going to be the one that's, oh, Tristan Thompson signed. Tristan Thompson was a mistake because, I mean, if you let if you if you just depend on Tice, I think we saw Tice last year in the bubble just get exposed for his limitations. He couldn't guard it. Bam out of bio. He couldn't guard Joel Embiid, and I think the Ainge did what was understandable. You get a veteran center in there who has dealt with these guys over the years and knows how to defend, knows how to, you know, draw, you know, maybe draw a charge here and there, get a rebound over them, and you and you you get a guy who can rebound more. I'll never be against a player who can get you more opportunities in terms of scoring. And Trishan averages three offensive rebounds per game. He gets he gets your team three chances. More chances, possessions per game. That's important. So, you got um, Thompson. I'm not going to blame that signing, but they could easily maybe brought in a potential another wing. Um, there are guys out there. You know, Jeff Teague, you know, I, I can understand them going off his, his first half season in Minnesota and not understanding not thinking that he was going to drop off this quickly. So what can you do about that? You can, you know, he's on a minimum deal. You can release him and bring in someone else. Let's see what happens with Isaiah Thomas, Team USA. That's fascinating for me. But they need to bring in someone, whether it's use this trade exemption. Now we see in the developing news, Andre Drummond's out there in the market and Blake Griffin. Uh, neither would fit into the trade exception. You have to wait till they got bought out. 
Um, Griffin, I think, has just lost too many steps athletically. He's a good facilitator. He can hit the three. You know, he can be a veteran presence. But I don't know what you could expect from him because it just father time has kicked in. You know, it's unfortunate. We all remember Blake bringing that guy jumping over cars and just dunking on people left and right and being one of the most freakish athletes in league history. And now his legs, I mean, he's he's literally, you know, still in great shape, but the legs just have no lift. So he's and he and he can't take anyone off the post. He doesn't have a he doesn't have any steps anymore to defend. So that would be a questionable signing. Unless he's bought out and you feel like he can help you as a role player. And Drummond can get your rebounds. Uh, is that big force in the paint, but not a great rim protector. Um, but one, he makes too much for the trade exception. And two, there's always been a uh, perception that his numbers are empty. Like he just, uh, his numbers are, you know, hollow. And I don't, so eventually there'll be guys available on the market. Okay. I'm not saying Danny Ainge should go and make a, a foolish, move just to just to put somebody on the club but it has there's something that has to be better than what is going on now um and at this point this is going to be a big week for this team uh from monday to sunday denver atlanta atlanta new orleans so uh four winnable games but let's see how the celtics do because those teams are also looking at that game and saying yeah we can be the celtics so Folks, that will do it for this latest podcast. Really appreciate you listening. Uh, We'll have special guests. We'll talk more Celtics. And you guys have a good sports week. Enjoy all the NBA games. Uh, Baseball spring trains starting to tune up. Guys are starting to report to camp. And uh, college hoops is nearing uh, March Madness. So enjoy your uh, sports week. And we'll talk to you soon. Peace.